I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to the dynasty debates We're back Back as always, episode 19, Biggest Misses. It's a sad day. We have to talk about misses. Last week was fun. We talked about biggest hits. That's always a good time. But you know what? We got to be accountable. Got to talk about our misses. I am Evan Brown. As always, your humble host, the humblest host, some might say. You can catch me on Twitter at FFEvanLution if you so wish. Like, like revolution only with my name evan in it get it pretty funny um and you can also catch the show at dynasty debates you can email in and if you have any questions or any comments dynasty debates at gmail.com there's really just um a plethora of options to get in touch and if this as if that wasn't enough if you have a spare 30 to 45 seconds in your very busy very awesome january lives if you wouldn't mind going on to your favorite podcast listening platform and dropping a rating maybe even a review if you feel so inclined that would be really super duper helpful i really would appreciate it and now on with the show we're talking biggest misses and who better to talk biggest misses with than an awesome guest and i have an awesome guest who's going to lighten the load here going to make the pain less with the awesomeness that she brings she is the tiger queen herself Tara Roberts, a.k.a. It's Tara Time on Twitter, one of my favorite follows. And you know what? Better Rather than just saying what she does, it would almost be like a shorter list to say what she doesn't do because she is a contributor <laughs> at Fantasy Pros. She does stuff with Fantasy Alarm, Awesomeo, Dynasty Vipers, Fantasy Points Live. Tara, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm probably, <laughs> I love to work, I guess. Maybe we can just say that that's the justification that I, I love working and it's football. <laughs> so it's fun work, you know, <laughs> it's all good. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show. And how was, how was your fantasy season? Was it, what was it like juggling your, your actual fantasy football with all the, um, all the crazy amounts of yeah. content that you're putting out? So this was a pretty aggressive workload to throw on top of uh, managing uh, fantasy football teams. But, you know, all in all, it worked out pretty well. I only missed waivers like one time. And even though I was kind of having to do them like after a show, we have a regular uh, Dynasty Vipers Tuesday night show. So basically every single night after the show, running joke, I, I was never doing my waivers until after the show and would have to go run and do them right afterwards. But yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting trying to find that balance, but it was a fun season. Uh, it was a good season. I enjoyed it. Brilliant. And the reason I call Tara the Tiger Queen is she's like a self-professed Clemson diehard. Um, how long, how far back does your Clemson love go? I am literally from 20 minutes down the road from the campus. Uh, so it, it goes back to childhood. I, yeah, I'm, I'm all Clemson all times. Grew up right down the road, went to school there. Um, didn't, didn't apply to any other school. Uh, yeah, man. I, <laughs> there was no plan B. <laughs> yeah, there was no plan B. There was only plan Clemson. I was like, no, that's it. That's, that's the only place that I want to be. And it really was the best decision. I couldn't ask for a better school amazing school if you haven't been to Clemson go go visit go tailgate with us it's fun very good well 
because you are such a diehard Clemson fan, I have put together the great Clemson quiz of 2022 um, just to test your knowledge. So are you ready for this? This is this is pretty high stakes. Um, I haven't figured out what those high stakes are, but are you ready for this? You think you handle this? No, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, <laughs> under pressure, under pressure, pop quizzes aren't my thing. But okay, but we'll, we'll see try. How I do. We'll, we'll, what about this? We'll try like a little, hopefully, an easy one. Um, how many national titles has Clemson won? Three. Nice, nice. Bonus points. Do you know the years? Do you know what years they were? Eighty-one, and then nice. twenty sixteen, and then I guess we skipped years. So twenty eighteen. Oh, beautiful. See, she's not just talk. She she knows her stuff here, people. What about what about last question then? I'll not torture you anymore. So this is an old school question. So what coach led Clemson to their first undefeated season in nineteen hundred? Oh, in nineteen hundred. Um... And, and bonus bonus clue. So he he still to this day has the highest winning percentage for a head coach in Clemson history at 83%. So I'm going to take a wild guess and say that this guy's name is on the stadium and that I probably <laughs> stared at it and just like kind of blanked. Um, so I don't know. So it's 1900. So I know for a fact that can't be okay. Mm, He's possibly the most famous college football coach of all time. Just, just a hint. No, <laughs> now I'm going to look foolish. Um, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. No, I don't know. He might even have a trophy named after him. There's lots of trophies. Um, <laughs> it's John Heisman. John, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was going. I was digging back for that one. That was a bit of a, a naughty question, so I apologize. But no, obviously, no, thanks for being a good his name's sport. on the stadium. <laughs> um, that was just a bit of messing around. I wouldn't know half those answers to any of my favorite teams anyways. So we do have a lot of really interesting things to talk about here, guys. So we're going to jump into the first segment. Spilling the tea. So as has every year, it was a pretty intense Black Monday. Um, a lot of a lot of firing, a lot of a lot of saying goodbye to the old and looking to the new. So we've got the Bears have fired Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. So two for one. Not to be outdone, my Minnesota Vikings have fired Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Um, the Dolphins surprisingly fired Brian Flores. And Dave Gettleman has, quote unquote, retired. So I don't know if this was a jump before you get pushed <laughs> situation. Um, so he's no longer the GM of the New York Giants. The Broncos fired Vic Fangio. The Lions fired OC Anthony Lynn. And I think that's all the firings. Uh, the last couple of bits of news there, Taysom Hill sadly did suffer a Liz Frank injury. Um, they did miss the playoffs anyways, but that's pretty sad for him. Could take a little while to recover from. And uh, just an interesting um, tidbit that I thought I would throw out here. I just heard that apparently DK Metcalf may potentially need surgery in the offseason for a bone spur in his foot, which I find quite interesting considering, you know, there was definitely some some interesting ups and downs with his production this year. And just curious if that's played any sort of a, a role in it. Two of the biggest, you know, sort of talking points here. Um, obviously, we've got Tara, the Tiger Queen, the genius that is involved in every major sporting event <laughs> known to man. <laughs> what are your thoughts on these firings? Which is any of them majorly surprising to you? Is any of them jump out to you as something like a, a dream job scenario for anyone? Yeah, I think, you know, the the Brian Flores one was very surprising to me. And I know a lot of people as well. Um, 
Because when you think about it, really a large chunk of their season where they were in that massive losing streak was under Jacoby Brissett. And we know that Jacoby Brissett can't really lead a team to victory, unfortunately. So for them to be able to come back, and they were very close to the playoffs, and yeah, Tua kind of did blow it there at the end, but I thought it was a pretty good turnaround, all things considered. I still consider them a building franchise. Um, there's still some pieces that they need to invest in overall, like running back. Um, so it was kind of interesting to me. I know there's potentially news around there being a power struggle there, um, and perhaps whether or not Brian Flores and how the relationship with uh, Deshaun Watson plays out, whether he wanted Deshaun Watson, whether he didn't want Deshaun Watson. I think we'll kind of find out over the next couple of months, ultimately what that issue ended up being. But that one really surprised me. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely to your point, I think that the only sense that I can make of the Flores firing is um, has to be like a personal sort of, there has to be some differences of opinions and there has to be some yeah. sort of conflict. I mean, that's what the, the only thing I've heard when I've done a little bit of digging around. I had heard some rumors from the bushes there that there had been a bit of power struggle, but also maybe some, um, some players not overly happy with certain tactics and certain just personality um, situations with Flores and everything. Cause like you say on paper, it, it, he definitely has done a good job there considering what he had had to work with. Um, but Again, it's funny because we like to look at it just as stats and figures, but it same as many other areas and many other elements in life, it is a people business. It is about working with people, getting along with people, friendships and relationships as well. So I think there's that element to it. There's a lot of questions there. Um, for me, as a Vikings fan, I personally am happy um, to see Zimmer <laughs> to see Zimmer leave. <laughs> Spielman, I wasn't as you know, I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have been upset to see him stay. I didn't think he was necessarily the problem, but I don't think he's the solution either. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy to to kind of scrub those the, scrub the slate clean and get a fresh start. Um, Zimmer, no harm to him. He had a couple of good years there, but I just feel like he's become somebody who's just very stuck in his ways and very much just wants to play his brand of football, and he's not adapting to the ever changing changing um landscape of the nfl it's not the same nfl that it was in in the early 2000s or in the 90s you know and i feel like zimmer mm. wants it to be so i'm not too sad i'm not going to cry any tears or, or or miss him too much but obviously i say that now um if we end up with matt Nagy, then i am no longer a vikings <laughs> fan i will jump ship and join you i believe are you a packers fan is that right am, am i correct in saying this i am i am so i can't i can't wish you well on your hunt for <laughs> a new coach right there um I need to, yeah you know maybe Maybe you go get Bill O'Brien could be like a really good option for you guys. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Or Adam Gase, yeah. Is that yeah, what you're wishing on he's us? He's very available right now. So <laughs> See, I've realized I need to pick my guests better because last week I had, you know, Pat Fitzmorris on, Packers fan. Now I've got Tara on, Packers fan. Something's wrong. I need to get more, you know, I need to do some background checks on these guests before we bring them in. Enough enough um, of the firings. Let's move on to something else that is equally exciting and, and happy to talk about our biggest misses where we, uh, we totally just took a swing and a miss. The main event. Fight. I think it is, especially, you know, for all for any fantasy player i think you know like i've talked about last couple episodes when the season ends one of the main things we want to do and we're tempted to do especially maybe if it hasn't been a great season for you you want to jump ahead and you want to start thinking about next year you want to think about the incoming draft class if you play dynasty things like that and those are all really fun and really good things to talk about and don't get me wrong we will be looking we'll be diving into the prospects we'll have some awesome guests on we'll talk running backs wide receivers quarterbacks everything but 
I think one of the best things you can do as a, a fantasy player, as somebody who enjoys dynasty fantasy football, or just even if you enjoy redraft, you sort of want to look back and what went well about the year for you and your teams, what didn't go so well, what were your successes, but also what were, where did you miss? So we're going to talk a couple of players that we just missed the boat on. Um, and it looks like from looking at the show sheet here, I think we both sort of got one that we were maybe too high on and one that we were maybe too low on. Um, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that. And then, but we also are going to, you know, kind of pull out a couple little bits of information maybe for you guys to think about where we feel we went wrong. So something we'll be taking away and, and incorporating into our process moving into next year and hopefully you guys can learn from and take away and don't have to make the same mistakes as us <laughs> so i'll start off here with the um with the oh i hate to even talk about this this makes me so sad <laughs> Tara. i um i know he didn't go to clemson so you may not have too much of an emotional connection with him but my boy my main man lavisca viva lavisca chanel really just let me down this year and um i was so uh, i don't even know where to begin it's been so frustrating <laughs> So, so sad. Uh, at the start of August there, he was sort of hitting about a 7th, 8th round ADP in Dynasty. Um, so he was definitely climbing up the boards. And I certainly took him, I think it was, I, I did three or four startups last year. And I think I had him in all three or four. I was probably reaching for him. So, I mean, you're probably getting him in the 7th, 8th round, I would say, roughly around there. And yeah, he was, he was, it was, it was no bueno. He finishes the wide receiver 58. Uh, in 2021 yeah. so not good not somebody you were i mean literally even with all the injuries with all the disappointing seasons that were happening there was a couple of leagues i had him where i wasn't even putting him in even with all that even with all the injuries and all that sort of stuff i was still just sitting on my bench because he was just no he was no good to me most weeks um you know it, it was really really hard to see and this was with i mean this was with ETN getting injured. This is with Chart getting injured. This is with um, you know so many different injuries, players that were in the way we we thought of his production going down, injured, 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 and more and more quote unquote opportunity, and it just did not happen for him. I think many people got burned and stung by this. Probably none more than me, unfortunately, uh, but. I was trying to think on it and reflect on it and take the emotion out of it, which is very hard to do. Many, many, um, many, many tearful nights, cry myself to sleep on my gigantic pillow. And I, I sort of realized there was a couple of things that I would say to myself that, you know, I would go back and slap myself and realize that one of the things that I had done last off season was I bought too hard into narrative. So a lot of what we were excited about with Fisca was very much narrative driven we sort of looked at some of the things that he'd done in college we looked at a couple little flashes he had as a rookie we started to see urban meyer coming in and thinking he was going to create a high tempo fast-paced offense with a slasher role we're sort of adding two and two together and getting 22 um and i think that's fine to some extent when it's like a easy or cheap bet and you're hoping that it pays off but when you're starting to invest like sixth seventh eighth round capital in a startup i mean those are some good players some solid players probably players we'll talk about a little bit later on that we're going around that same area and you're probably better off um you know investing there when it's not too much narrative driven and another thing that i realized that i'd done to my detriment was i'd overcorrected on my original stance and and the thing is 
one of the things is similar to what the fantasy footballers talk about with stay water and you know be water and be able to be flexible and change your opinions change your strategies don't just stick don't be a mike zimmer you know don't stay um this is my way or the highway i wasn't a huge visca truther when he came out like i liked what i saw but i had question marks i had concerns i didn't get any of them in the rookie drafts and coming into 2020 i didn't have one visca share and then throughout the season, you know, he did flash a bit as a rookie. He had a few good games. He started coming on there near the end. And then when all the like rumors, because there was a lot of rumors coming out of the beat reporters from Jacksonville saying that he's just, you know, sky's the limit for this guy. And, you know, the offense is going to run through him and all this sort of stuff. And then when people in the community start getting hyped on him and some people that I really respect, you know, were talking about him. And I was like, OK, I'm not going to be stuck in my ways. And I realized that what I did was I sort of overcorrected. So I think it's good to stay water. I think you need to do that. I think you need to be flexible in your approach, especially when new information is um, is kind of brought up. But you don't need to overcorrect because you sort of have to trust yourself and trust your instincts and trust your own sort of like judgment, if that makes sense. So I think those are sort of some of my key takeaways for the viscous situation. I mean, he is still young. There is still hope. You know, obviously we saw Trevor Lawrence have probably his best game of the season there just to wind down, depending on who the coach comes in and all that sort of stuff. It still could turn around for him. Um, he still did have quite a lot of targets. I mean, he had almost 100 targets this year, things like that. So there is some hope, but very disappointing for what we'd hoped for. So I would say my key takeaways from that miss were don't buy too much into a narrative, especially when it starts to cost you, because I actually had opportunities to flip Visca in the offseason for like, you know, a first or something. And I should have just done that, even though, but I wanted to hold on, see what I had. And it bit me bit me hard so before i start crying um and and become uh, incomprehensible with my speech here tara who's your first miss of 2021 uh yeah before just to touch on that lavisca i i did not i don't have any dynasty shares of him um you know Smart i think woman. it was more so i had very what no i don't i think it was just that i was targeting other very specific people maybe around that same um adp i did have some some redraft and so i, I feel your pain on that one um it's <laughs> so funny i wanted to put kind of on that same narrative of you know listening and no offense to the beat writers whatsoever because they're getting the information from somewhere they can't help it if you know they're possibly being you know fleeced or misled a little bit um in terms of the direction but you know i, I wanted so badly to put trey sermon um but i feel i felt like you know everybody kind of missed on that one in terms of you know listening to yeah. the beat writers and that you know there's all this you know the narrative of coming out and everything like that just makes you kind of you know, overinvest into thinking that this direction is going to be the direction. Yeah, we do have to be pretty flexible because, um, you know, even some of the news coming out, there was a lot of negative news about DJ Tark heading into the season that kind of really tilted people towards LaVisca. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't think you were, you're wrong. You were wrong in your, in your LaVisca adapted truther right there. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think you were heading in the wrong direction, just kind of had a, we had a buzz buzzsaw right there with Urban Meyer, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like you say, it's a tricky and that's why I think it's really good to talk about and get other people's perspectives on because it's a very tricky balance because some of the best things you can do to give yourself an edge as a dynasty player is tap into beat writers, listen to local sources, find out what the buzz is. I mean, there's definitely been, you know, 
um, beat writers and people like that that put me on to Michael Gallup, you know, coming into his sophomore year, man, he's having a really good camp. He looks brilliant. He's really stepped up. You know, those, so there's definitely, definitely an edge to be had there, but you just have to balance it out. And when the hype yeah. gets too much and you get too excited, because honestly going into the year, I was hoping for like a top 24 season. You know what I mean? I was hoping for a wide yeah. receiver two sort of season from him and I get a wide receiver like five. <laughs> so that's where it kind of bites you. So I'll, I'll start off with my, my big miss one, man. This one was uh, unreal. <laughs> you know, I, I wildly misread the situation with Kenny Galladay. I, I had him at wide receiver 22 and that was aggressive. And I knew that um, I was looking on the bright side. I was more optimistic about the giants than I should have been. And I won't be that way again with the giants, you know, you kind of <laughs> <laughs> learned my lesson on that one, but, uh, but yeah, wide receiver 79 is what he ended up with in PPR averaging 6.4 fantasy points. That's, that's just plain awful. I, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around how that happened. And yeah. it's not even a weird situation where, like, you, you can say, okay, quarterback play. Daniel Jones did, did miss a significant chunk of the season, and which does matter. I know people say, you know, ah, Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones is by far better than what they ended up going with, with Mike Glennon yeah. and Jake Fromm, unfortunately. But even and to your to point, Daniel up, Jones... Daniel jo Jones does one of the things he does pretty well is yeah. throw a deep ball. So it makes mm -hmm. sense when you think that's what was so good about him and Stafford is that deep ball connection where you just throw it up and let Kenny G go get it. So I absolutely understand. Yeah. hundred percent. Get yeah, where you're going with some, that. He's got some gunslinger in him. So it made sense that it was, would, you know, potentially be a good connection there. And, you know, the, wide receiver one opportunity was wide open. The Giants just truly didn't have one of those. But yeah, it was kind of weird because it's not even a situation where you can blame it on quarterback play. You can't really blame it on injury, even though he was injured. Just because when you when you looked at him on the field, if you watched Kenny Galladay live and just the way that he was playing, it just didn't look impressive to Galladay. There were times where I was looking at him and 50-50 balls, it just didn't make sense. It didn't look like it was actually like 50% him trying to actually get, <laughs> get up there and go go get it. It was very confusing. It was like a 30-70 so, yeah. ball. Yeah, it was just like, <laughs> it just looked like a severe advantage for the defensive back on that one. But yeah, this was the biggest miss for me, unfortunately. And is there anything that stands out to you when you've reflected on I mean, because absolutely like I I wasn't as invested in him but I absolutely at the start of the season could see a path to him being like a wide receiver one this year you know I was like hey he'll probably get so many targets and he'll just be the focal point and you know they paid him a lot of money that usually is a good sign you usually listen to what teams say with their their you know with their checkbook so if they're paying somebody that much money they want to make him a focal point he didn't score one touchdown it's unbelievable it actually is mind-boggling when you think about it but is there anything that stands out to you that you sort of look back on you reflect on and you say this is something that i should have seen coming or maybe like as a little warning that i'm going to look out for next time and try and keep myself away from the next kenny g situation yeah, I think the thing, you know, you do have to be skeptical of guys going to new teams. Um, you know, maybe we get a little blinded by that Stefan Diggs of, you know, oh, here's Stefan Diggs. He's gone over and he's connected with a better team, Josh Allen. And I think the key is they're a better situation. You know, you have to you have to account for these guys that are going over and getting big money into lesser situations and you just can't expect that same wide receiver one production out of them even though we've seen Kenny Galladay and here's part of my justification I've seen Kenny Galladay catch balls from bad quarterbacks and be just fine but unfortunately it just doesn't seem like it's there for him anymore 
just it seems like he he might have reached that point where where we're at a little bit of a no return there with him yeah no i think that's a really really solid point uh and to your point i think that you nailed it there when i think one of the things we do as a community is we see any change as a positive we tend to you know put on the rose tinted glasses and we're just like oh yes this player is going to be better now because they get more opportunities and it's like but more opportunities from Daniel Jones is that necessarily an upgrade <laughs> you know the Stefan Diggs things was a beautiful thing but there was a lot of doubters at the time if you bought into the Stefan Diggs dip you got such a big return on the investment because I remember I did a startup right before that season started when he went and I was getting him in like the sixth or seventh round or something because people were yeah. just like, nah, Josh Allen's rubbish, yeah. you know, stuff on digs, meh, nah, it's going to be terrible, you know, and, and it was just before. So it was a beautiful combination, you know, of like Josh yeah. Allen hadn't quite taken off yet. Stefan Diggs, people were like, oh, he's a drama queen. You know, he's not going to be, you know, he's not an alpha, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think that's kind of thing is we we imagine that and then we want to see that happen again every time somebody moves teams. But there's a lot of, for every Stefan Diggs, there's also a lot of Sammy Watkins. <laughs> you know, they go to a new team and they just disappear <laughs> and they're just yes. not worth anything. And Kenny Dolday, like you said, his dynasty value is now shot. I mean, you can probably get him for like a third round pick, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah. Maybe not quite that bad, but it's, it's pretty bad, I would say. Um, my next player, this is the one that sort of is like ships passing in the night here with um with Tara. So my <laughs> miss, my this one hurts probably well equally as bad, probably more so because of what I missed out on. It is I owe an apology to Debo Samuel. He finished as the wide receiver <laughs> three in PPR leagues, as we all know. And if we go back to August, so right at the start of the season, his dynasty ADP was 82.3 in a 1QB or 99.6 in Superflex. So again, sadly, I hate to say it, same sort of range that LaVisca Chenault was going in. <laughs> I, I can't can categorically say this, and I don't want to because I don't know if I would ever forgive myself, but I, I would not be surprised if in one of my startups I took LaVisca Chenault over Debo Samuel at some point. I don't even <laughs> want to say that. Um, you can just take my my analyst, analyst card, my analyst badge <laughs> for saying that but the truth is and this is what i was trying to think about is like it just really killed me watching him just absolutely destroy um everyone and and just be amazing all season and it's funny because i actually did write an article comparing debo samuel and brandon Ayuk right before the season for dynasty nerds i um one of the things i like to do is i like to look at two care two two players either from the same team or maybe just two players that are valued similarly or or that are you know fairly in the same range of outcomes and you can kind of compare and contrast and say who do you think would you rather have for dynasty and why so i did a little bit of a deep dive on them and i'd kind of studied it and i'd come to the conclusion that i would rather have brandon Ayuk. so i had kind of gone all in on the brandon Ayuk express and it really burned me pretty badly with with Debo. So again, I never ever, I just want to be clear, never thought he was a bad player. I never thought he wasn't talented or anything like that. But some of my, you know, sort of thought processes that obviously were slightly flawed and we need to revisit was um i and, and i don't believe in injury prone so just to be clear i'm not calling him injury prone or anything and obviously he didn't really miss any time majorly this year but he did worry me a little bit with his past injuries he'd missed a lot of the year before with a foot fracture he'd had repeated hamstring strains that had cost him you know several games at a time he'd broken his leg back in college um he'd had a lot of injuries and so 
I was like, okay, he's a young guy. He's already had a lot of injuries. I'm not saying he's injury prone, but if there's a guy who hasn't had as many injuries and it's the same sort of ballpark, I'll probably lean slightly that way. Um, and Ayuk, I just really loved him in his rookie year, what he was able to accomplish with just absolute bums throwing him the ball with uh you know without Kittle without Debo there which a lot of people were using as reasons not to be high on Ayuk but it was I was you know the way I justified it was like it's actually harder when you're the only good player on the field because the defenses can focus on you more um and so I just really liked Ayuk and, and I really liked the fact that the you know they the 49ers had draft capital invested in him not just the pick but they actually traded up to draft him um, and this was the year after Debo was brilliant as a rookie so I sort of was like okay well if they liked what they had in Debo why would they trade up to also get I not that they didn't like Debo but I was like if they were completely satisfied that Debo is their their alpha their wide receiver one why would they waste draft capital and trading up but then I realized this year that Kyle Shanahan doesn't care about draft capital doesn't even know what that word means um, because they wasted a lot of draft capital to get Trey Lance and they just sat him on the bench all year um, and they also they also traded up for Trey Sermon and thought you know what nah let's just run a lot Elijah Mitchell out there every week, even though he's like a sixth round pick. So I don't know. It, it was a culmination of several things, um, you know, being really, and again, it was similar to maybe the LaVisca stuff where I'd sort of bought into the narrative a little bit that Ayuk was the future and not that Debo was trash. Again, like I said, I always thought Debo was a good player and I liked him, but I thought a little bit injury prone, maybe not injury prone, but just he's had injuries. I'm a little bit concerned there. Plus if, Lance takes over, which obviously we're hoping and we believe that he will take over from next year. I believe what Lance brings to the table ties in really nicely with what Ayuk does. Um, and that would make a lot of sense there. And, you know, so just kind of you're, you're creating a narrative which could potentially long term still be true, but I definitely paid for it in the short term. So for me, I think the big takeaway, and I mentioned this in the episode right around the turn of the year, um, was sort of if a player has a history or a past of being productive and their value for whatever reason starts dipping to a certain level, even if you're not 100% believing in the situation, you should still try and take advantage of that value dip. So if that makes any sense, because Debo got to the stage where he was so cheap in the offseason, like I saw him get traded for you know, a second round pick and just some random player, things like that. You weren't even having to pay a first, especially not an early first to get him. If it's getting to that stage where a player that you've seen be productive or you know has quality is getting so cheap that you can acquire them for very little uh, risk, you should do that. Because even if they don't smash the way Debo does, because not everyone's going to come out and have a wide receiver three or a running back two sort of season out of nowhere or from, you know, seemingly nowhere but even if they they have a fairly good season especially if they're young you're going to be able to you're going to be able to get a nice return on investment and that's what dynasty is all about you need that return on investment so if you pay a third round pick for a player and then you can flip them for a second the next year and you've got some production out of them then that's a win so that's my big takeaway um but <laughs> spoiler alert tara who's your who's your miss um who was your second miss there so my second miss is brandon Ayuk. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> Um, so, but the funny thing is, is that, um, that I wasn't a, I wasn't a fade Debo. Um, I, and maybe I had just the ridiculous amount of faith and clearly not, I don't have faith in Kyle Shanahan. Um, I just don't trust him, <laughs> but, uh, maybe just faith in the 49ers as a whole. Um, because I wasn't on a fade Debo. I thought that he was very good for his value. So I targeted Ayuk anywhere and everywhere where I could and where I couldn't get him, I got Debo. So it was kind of like a weird thing where um, 
I ended up with a couple of Debo and a strong majority of Ayuk um, and some that I already had the year before as well. But, you know, the thing about him is, is that, you know, it's, it's so strange the way that this season went for him in a way that I don't think any of us could have predicted. Um, he finishes as the wide receiver 35. Ironically, um, this is the second time he's finished as the wide receiver 35, although this year he did it on five more games. So, you know, not as good. Um, but, you know, I to be fair, you know, that beginning of the season was such a strange situation where Ayuk was yeah. literally being faded by his own coach in the most odd way. I mean, we kind of we tried to get answers on it and understand what the issue was and lots of talk about how he needed to, you know, prove himself and, you know, show the, you know, good effort and whatnot. And it honestly, it just seemed like there was something that happened preseason around him coming back from that injury that maybe had him pushed back a little and wasn't really the result of his actual talent. But, you know, once we actually got into the season, weeks eight through 17, uh, he was the wide receiver 14 in total points scored. To be fair, the average was a little bit low. Um, so that was not fantastic. But he did start to come around to the point where I'll probably still continue to support him next year. But but yeah, just like you, what you were saying, it's such a strange situation where I think we got very focused on IU and kind of forgot about Debo. And so he ended up being the massive value guy and everyone left with IU was just kind of sitting here wondering what exactly happened. So <laughs> I'm still I'm still optimistic about him. So, you know, on the first end, I've got Kenny Galladay with no optimism. I'm, I'm done with that one. <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, Fool me once. Dropped in like a bad habit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we're 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 done. Um, unfortunately, it's dynasty, so we're not done in particular because, unfortunately, as you mentioned, you're stuck on your roster. Really (laughs) sell him right now, so you're just kind of like crossing your fingers that a miracle happens. But with Brandon Ayuk, I'm still feeling positively about it. I'm not done with him. I think that we're heading in the right direction. Um, it's and it'll be interesting, like you said, to see how um, Trey Lance comes in and how this all works out. Um, you know, we have to assume that obviously I don't think we're going to see Lance for the remainder of the playoff season um, unless something happens to Jimmy Garoppolo further with that thumb injury. But but next year, I would assume that we are going to see Trey Lance and it'll be interesting to see how they mesh, how that offense meshes as a whole, because it's a really I mean, it's it's a more high powered offense than we would think with with the receiving options that they have around Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, um, Juwan Jennings looked pretty decent um, as well as a kind of fourth option, sometimes third, unfortunately, in front of Ayuk. Um, the running game as well. We know the 49ers are very dedicated and Elijah Mitchell looked fantastic. So, so it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But yeah, I was very disappointed in Ayuk. It was one of those weird things where by the time he came around to actually performing, you didn't really trust him. So he would pop off on your bench, unfortunately. (laughs) I think the bottom line here is do not trust Kyle Shanahan. Yes. (laughs) I think this is what we've learned. Those are our misses. Hopefully you guys have learned something um, and picked up something there from our pain and our suffering. We're going to move on and talk about something a little bit less depressing or we might just both start crying. Dynasty Deep Dive. We are going, in honor of the Tiger Queen being on the show, we are going to talk about the Tiger King, the newly crowned Tiger King, Joe Burrow, and the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to try and go through each team in the offseason, and obviously things can change and will change, but I thought, again, 
I want to give actionable advice. This is the pod where we want to have great guests on. We want to talk about things from different angles, but we also want to give really actionable and honest advice. So we're going to look at the main skill position players from the Bengals, and we're going to talk through their values and what we are doing. What are we buying? Are we selling? Are we holding? First up, Tiger King himself, Joe Burrow, fantasy finish as QB5. He averaged 20.5 points per game. He is 25 years old, obviously, first-round pick. We know that. He is under his rookie contract through 2023, and he does have a fifth-year option, so you're pretty confident you're going to be seeing him there for the next few years. And as far as value over on Dynasty Trade Calculator, which is one of the key sort of trade calculators that I would use. Um, I feel like they have great range. They gather a lot of data and they don't base their values just on a set of rankings from three or four or five or six people. Rankings are great. I do rankings for Dynasty Nerds, but um, what's great about Dynasty Trade Calculator is they grab ADP, they grab recent trades, they try and get a real good snapshot of actually what the value is in the community at this point in time. So I really like to use them as a kind of a base. So we look at Dynasty Trade Calculator in a 12-team Superflex League. um, Joe Burrow, they give him a value of 53, which if we break that down into sort of picks, which is maybe an easier currency to talk about, that's roughly two early firsts. So if you're wanting to go out and trade for Joe Burrow at this point in time, you're probably giving up two early first round picks if you're so lucky as to have those. Dynasty Nerds ranking, he he is QB7. Um, In my personal Dynasty rankings at the moment, he's QB5. So that's the information on Joe Burrow. So throw it to you, Tara. First of all, what do you think of Joe Burrow? Where is he in your rankings? And is he a buy? Is he a sell? Or is he a hold for you? So I split the difference. Um, I He's my QB6. Um, and which is, you know, it's, it's funny. I've been having some controversial talk because I think he's one of the more polarizing quarterbacks in that I think he's a hold right now because if you're trying to buy him, chances are the person that has Joe Burrow is going to want above that cost right there that we see where they're going to want an arm and a leg for him. So I don't know if he's someone that you can even actually buy right now. Um, so yeah, he's definitely a hold for me. And then I probably wouldn't want to sell him either just because the potential there is just so high. You've, you've, uh, you've got a guaranteed top 10 quarterback for years, probably a top five quarterback when it's all said and done as well. So, so yeah, he's definitely someone who I want to hold on to. Okay. So it's fair to say that you, you do like Joe Burrow. You're, you're a fan, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is good to hear, but okay. So you're thinking probably not a buy or a sell for you. Unless, I mean, obviously this always goes without, well, doesn't go without saying I'll say it. Um, if anybody wants to sell, like sell the house to get somebody off of you, you should probably just do that because again, dynasty, as much as we love, players and we fall in love with players and we like having them it is a game of values and you want to win at the at the end of the day so i actually traded away patrick mahomes in one league this year which seems like a the cardinal sin but the guy was willing to give me his firstborn child and here who doesn't need an extra firstborn child in their life um now with burrow then if you're not trading for him necessarily and you're not trading him away unless someone's massively overpaying if you're looking down the barrel of a startup are you taking burrow or herbert big question uh i am probably going to take herbert i those last two games by burrow were fantastic um but as a whole when you look at those points per game i mean i just feel like that i feel like we're a little bit safer there with um justin herbert and the production within that offense so i'm probably i'm probably going with justin herbert i like it yeah i would agree i think herbert is my i believe he's my qb4 in dynasty I love Herbert. Yeah. So what about this one's closer to home? This might have a little bit of bias tied in for you. What about Trevor Lawrence? Are you taking Sunshine or Burrow? 
<laughs> I love Trevor. I really do. But there's there's a lot of stuff that they got to work through over there. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we're going to we need to erase this year. This was not an existing year. Um, next year is his rookie year. There's going to be some growing pains still. Um, it was good to see that last game. But yeah, it's it's clear Joe Burrow for me, unfortunately. <laughs> see, see, folks, this is what I'm talking about. Able to put her own personal bias aside and give you the hard hitting facts. This is what we this is why she's paid the big bucks. Um, what about <laughs> this is another interesting one. So slightly older, but still young quarterback. What about Dak Prescott? Would you go Dak or would you go Joe Burrow? So I have I actually have Dak right behind um, Joe Burrow. I, I unfortunately I'm more comfortable with Joe. I think the potential upside is a lot higher with him. I think with Dak we've I think we've got the ceiling right here for Dak. Um, I think he's probably capped it right at QB five, right outside of QB five. Okay, brilliant. Well, like I would say, I agree with you on all three. So brilliant. Moving right along, the new hotness, Jamar Chase. We obviously are going to talk about Jamar Chase, lit the world on fire, set records, broke records, all the good stuff. He finished as the wide receiver five as a rookie, which is incredible. Um, he averaged 18.8 points per game, which is, again, pretty incredible. If you think about the fact that he literally averaged like, what, two points less than his quarterback <laughs> as a rookie <laughs> wide receiver. He's only 21 years old. He's under rookie contract through 2024 with, again, a fifth year option. The reason I mentioned the contract things just for a bit of context is uh, if you play Dynasty, it's something that you do need to keep in mind. You need to think about what um, What's the player's contract situation like? How long term are they in this position situation that they're in? Obviously, everything can change. But again, it's something else you want to take into consideration. If we look at his dynasty trade calculator value, it's 49.9. So near enough, almost Joe Burrow level <laughs> value, which is wild. So again, you're talking two, you're talking two firsts. It may not have to be the 101 and 102, but you're going to have to pay up you know, you're probably going to need the 102 and the 104 or something like that. Even to get, even for someone to listen to your offers, probably going to be at least two first because someone's going to have just paid a first last year to get him. So realistically, I doubt you can even get him for two first, but they're saying that's roughly what his value would be. Dynasty Nerds wide receiver rank is wide receiver two. Mine is wide receiver two. So Tara, as the guest, over to you. What's your thoughts on Jamar Chase? I love Jamar Chase. Um, he's definitely someone who, if, you know, if you can get him um, and you're not going to have to pay a ton for it, for sure. Um, he is my number three. And that is purely because I am I'm waiting to see what happens with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Um, my Devontae Adams positioning is highly fluid, depending on what happens. <laughs> he's, he's the clear number two to me. If he and Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay, I know he's, you know, a little higher in age, but I don't see any drop off here with him. We, you know, he's still performing that, that insanely high level. I think he's got years left of that. Um, but if for some reason they get separated or go elsewhere, something else happens uh, again, you know, you head back to being cautious with those situations. That's where you've got a clear wide receiver too for me in Jamar Chase. Excellent. And are you, so are you buying him in the off season? Are you selling at what you could potentially say peak value, the rookie fever taking over people, or are you just holding on if you have them again? Yeah. On this one, I'm probably just holding, um, if for some reason, some, but you know what the thing with buying is that you never know what someone is actually willing to pay for them and the value that they have um, for these wide receivers in particular. So, you know, I don't, I don't think a couple first is unreasonable to go out and get him for, uh, you know, if you can get that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, again, yeah. If you can sit there and straight up just be like, here's two firsts, that's it yeah. done. I would do it because fit first or pretty much like a 50% crapshoot at best 
So yeah. you're going to be lucky with those two firsts if you land one really solid player and the chances of uh, the one really solid player being a generational talent isn't that high. So yeah, two firsts, I'm happy. But if it's getting beyond that, if there are people in two firsts, and a good player oh i don't know i'm probably just gonna yeah. think about it unless unless you just completely <laughs> sold the farm and you've already got like six first to play with or something like that but yeah i i agree with you what about then would you rather if you're going into a startup or all things being equal then if you can have jamar chase or my boy justin jefferson who are you taking um i am gonna take jamar chase uh and that is again Ooh. tilted by it's tilted by joe burrow uh and jamar chase being tied to joe burrow is fantastic and i'm a little bit skeptical of what justin jefferson will be tied to unfortunately i'm I, i'm not as negative about Kirk cousins as a lot of people if if someone said that Kirk cousins will be there for the next you know, X amount of years with Justin Jefferson, I feel comfortable with it. Um, what I'm not comfortable with is if they decide they're going into rebuilding mode and they don't need, they can ship off Kirk Cousins to someone else who needs, you know, a bet and they want to go with God knows who, apparently not. Well, you know, now that uh, now that Mike Zimmer's gone, maybe Kellen Mond. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I that quarterback situation makes me a little bit skeptical with uh, Justin Jefferson. So it gives me, gives, gives, it gives Chase the edge there. Okay, okay. So you kind of touched on this, so I'll just ask you straight up. If you're doing a startup tomorrow, you're sitting there, Jamar Chase is on the board, Devonta Adams is on the board, is your cheese head... Packers heart gonna sway you towards Devonta Adams or are you taking Chase if we're doing it tomorrow um I'm a very risk adverse person so I would go Jamar Chase because I it's really difficult for me to see them being able to get all the money there to have both Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers unless Aaron makes some sacrifices but I don't know maybe I can play magical numbers and whatnot but not knowing that for sure I would go with Chase Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And last one then. So what about um, last year's darling everyone in the draft, CD Lamb? So Jamar Chase or CD Lamb, where are you with that? And how close is it for you? Um, so it's not super close for me. Jamar Chase or CD Lamb is two spots behind Jamar Chase. So I'm still a believer in CD Lamb. I know that we saw him kind of disappear in some games. It wasn't fantastic. And that was kind of tied to games where where Dak wasn't a very high volume guy where there was little, you know, there was little need for them to be very high pass volume. And I think that's come along with the increase of greatness from their, from their defense really. But I'm still confident in CD lamb. He's number five for me, but I'm going with Jamar chase. Okay, perfect. Fair enough. Moving right along. Then we are going to touch on my favorite receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, probably a soft spot in your heart. One T Higgins, uh he finished in 17 weeks as the wide receiver 20 which doesn't sound that great doesn't sound that impressive um he averaged 15.7 points per game he's only 22 years old he's under rookie contract through 2023 now on dynasty trade calculator he comes out at a 27 so much cheaper much easier to acquire roughly an early first so if you got a first and especially if the person's a bit nervous or something like that, you can probably pick up T Higgins on the dynasty. Now this is a big disparity on dynasty nerds. These, they have him as the wide receiver 23 in their um, dynasty rankings. I have him all the way up at wide receiver 13. So I'm quite a bit more bullish on T Higgins. <laughs> I do want to point out that he had an injury at the start of the season. He was out for two weeks. So when he came back from weeks five to 17, so through your finals, do you want to guess what, what, where was he? Where did he finish between weeks five and so, which is pretty big. I mean, that's only missing out the yeah. two games of injury in the first two games of the season. 
week five to 17, where do you think he finished? Let's say wide receiver nine. Exactly. Nailed it. (laughs) Wide receiver nine. So, and even if you look at the entire season on a points per game basis, he was wide receiver 13. So I think that's a fair reflection because, you know, I, I understand the argument of like, oh, you can't cut games out and all that sort of stuff. I do think you need to do both. You need to look at the fact that, okay, yeah. including all 17 games, if you just look at the points per game, he was just outside of a wide receiver one. And Burrow grew into the season. If you look at his points and how he played and things like that, he definitely got more comfortable on that knee. He got more comfortable in the offense. He got more comfortable feeling the game and the situations and who he could trust and where he could trust them. So I'm not going to go on too much. I know I'm sure you probably have a few nice things to say about mr higgins here but what are your thoughts on um on his value on him uh, for a first round pick and where do you have him in dynasty yeah i'm i'm on your end where i'm i'm closer to you with uh with higgins at wide receiver 16 i think that when you look at him you can't look at him as a wide receiver too it's one of these 1a 1b situations in a very potent offense so I mean, if you're looking at it, compare it something like to wide receiver one and wide receiver two in Green Bay. That's it's an incredibly different story. If Devontae Adams goes down, I know for a fact that MBS cannot or or Lazard, whoever is the wide receiver tune at that moment, cannot fill the role of Devontae Adams. But when I look at Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, it's very interchangeable there. Higgins plays at such an incredibly high level. I, I think it's worth it to see him as a very high end wide receiver, too. Absolutely. So, and again, I think that one thing I would say is he's for me a huge, a huge buy this offseason because I think a lot of people, A, look at the finishes, which they don't, they shouldn't do. <laughs> they just see, oh, wide receiver 20. Oh, that's kind of gross. And then um, they also, I think people, again, they don't take too much nuance into it. Not everyone, obviously, there's a lot of really smart dynasty players, but in your average dynasty league, I think a lot of people are like, oh, T. Higgins, he's old news. It's the Jamar Chase show, especially because Jamar Chase finished with such a huge monster game against Kansas City. That's fresh and everyone, everyone's just thinking it's the Jamar Chase show. There's you know too many miles to feed, quote unquote, whatever. But the truth is, like you say, if you dig into the numbers, he had a really impressive season. And even with missing a couple games, he was wide out, right outside of a wide receiver one. He gets plenty of targets. There's probably not going to be a lot of games where he's scripted out versus there might be more actual boom and bust games, possibly for Jamar Chase. So just very quickly here, don't want to spend too much time on it. Tyler Boyd, the third wide receiver, he is a quality wide receiver, so I don't want to be sounding disrespectful to him in any way, but he is the third out of three options. So he finished wide receiver 29. He had 11.5 points per game. He's 27. He is under contract through 2023. He counts 10 million against their cap. And he does have a low, a low dead cap number if they want to cut him, which I don't think they will. I think they, they're happy with him. He's a pretty reasonable salary. They're paying him. He is an amazing wide receiver three. Like if he can be your real life wide receiver three in an NFL team, that's fantastic. Um, on dynasty trade calculator, he's a 4.1. So like a late second round pick, basically dynasty nerds, wide receiver 48. He's my wide receiver 51. Again, no disrespect to him. I like him, but the Bengals do want to run the football as well. They like to run the football. Um, they also have two elite pass catchers. So, you know, the pie can only get cut so many ways. And I, I just feel like unless it's a very deep league, personally, for me, my opinion is when are you ever going to be super confident or super happy throwing them in your in your lineup? Um, you know, if it's just a 12 team league and you only have like maybe two flex spots. But again, Tara, what, what are your thoughts on Tyler Boyd? Is there any scenario? Am I missing something? Is there, is there something you want to uh, you know jump in here and invest in, in Tyler Boyd in the offseason? No, not really. I mean, I don't think I'm that far off from you guys. I have him at wide receiver 46, kind of, you know, the same thought process as he's, you know, as third receivers go, he's a fantastic option, but he is 
he is the third option on that um, on that team, unfortunately. Absolutely. Last player then quickly, um, we'll touch on, we can't have a conversation without talking about Joe Mixon. He finishes the RB4, 18 points per game. He's only 25 years old. I feel like he's like 29, but he's only 25 <laughs> years old somehow. Um, he is under contract through 2024. He had that contract extension, obviously, last year. Fairly easy out after 22 and 23. So again, running back, you know, if he declines they could easily cut him get rid of him it wouldn't cost them that much you have to take that into consideration anytime you're talking about um, running backs unfortunately in the nfl dynasty trade calculator his value comes in at a 31.3 which would basically be like the 101 you'd have to literally have an incredibly high first for someone to want to trade away mixing um you might even have to have something else on top of it a first and i you know uh, uh, Ramondre Stevenson or something like that. Um, Dynasty Nerds, he's RB11. He's actually, I mean, my RBs, I need to really sit down and look through these. He's just, they feel so weird at the moment, the RB rankings, but I have my RB4 actually because um, he just really impressed me with what he's done. And again, I think in this offense, I think this offense has proven to be an up-and-coming elite offense that you can't really stack the box against because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins will destroy you and you can't, Forget about the run because Joe Mixon is, you know, a very capable, very good runner. He's not just he's in a good position or a good situation. He's a very good running back and he's a pass catching running back, which is great. What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon? Um, where are you at with him in your rankings? And is he a buy, sell or hold for you? So I'll split the difference there. He's a uh, he's RB8 for me. And I think he's a potential sell because I, I know that it's a very high ask for him in a trade calculator. But I think with a lot of people, you can make the argument that this is a one, not a one hit wonder because he's been a, you know, top 10 ish or right outside the top 10 uh, running back before. But I think we might have hit a ceiling here. I don't know if he'll repeat at this exact level. Top 10 running back is very reasonable. Top five running back again, you know, that's it's asking a little bit much, especially with these running backs that we have coming up. But I think you can uh, make the argument and convince somebody based off age, based off track record, a little bit of skepticism and saying that it maybe it's a little pass heavy offense as well and go out there and buy him at a reasonable ish price. So I, I would be okay with going out and buying Joe Mixon. What about then, so a couple quick names here for you. Would you rather Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook? I'll still go with Dalvin Cook. Um, I don't think what we saw out of Dalvin Cook this year was the wear and tear and aging of a running back. I think it was just kind of bad luck and COVID. So uh, so I'm still, I'm still comfortable with, I'm still comfortable with Dalvin Cook. Okay. Would you rather Joe Mixon or Antonio Gibson? I would go with Joe Mixon. I do like Antonio Gibson, although I think we have to consider that some of these fantastic games that we saw out of him were sans J.D. McKissick. So, you know, get get a little bit worried about how things function as a whole next season. New quarterback obviously coming in, probably not going to retain Heineke as the starter. Um, so we don't exactly know how that'll shake out. I'm I'm going with Joe Mixon on that one. Okay, so um, we're not going to go into any more, really. I don't think we need to. There are a couple other slightly interesting players. Um, but again, CJ Uzama is the main tight end. I don't think he's really majorly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not anybody I'm majorly excited to talk about or think really overly too much of. He's a free agent anyways <laughs> this offseason, so he may not be back. We don't know. Um, and then the only other one would that I would throw out, I'm not going to go into it too far, but if he's on your waiver wire or if you can get him for like a fourth or fifth round pick, Chris Evans, I actually really liked his athletic profile coming out last year. Um, he's a good pass catcher. Samaj P. Ryan is a bit older. Um, I think he's 26 or something like that. He's not 
ever lit the world on fire. And even last week when Joe Mixon didn't play, uh, Samaj Piran only got some like basically like special team snaps and they actually let Chris Evans, they let him loose a bit. And he, he he's a, again, he's got a really amazing athletic profile. He can catch the ball. Um, so just somebody to keep an eye on, especially maybe if you roster Joe Mixon might be worth going out and seeing if you can get Chris Evans on the roster, Captain America himself. Um, anybody else you want to touch on there, Tara? No, I think that's it. And I agree with you on Chris Evans. I think he's a, a good deep value. If you can go out there and snag him for cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> Excellent. Anytime Tara agrees with me, I feel better about it. Let's make a deal. So I'm just aware, obviously, it's been going on for a long time. So apologies to Tara. Apologies, but I think it's been some good information, good things that we've been talking about and digging into. Um, but I do like to talk trades. I love trades. Trades probably my trading is one of my favorite other than winning trading is probably my favorite part of dynasty um so we'll talk a couple quick trades here because these aren't just theoretical trades these are actual trades that really went down in real leagues and it can give you some food for thought something to think about some uh, moves that you might want to make yourself my trade is it's a 10 team league one qb ppr um i have a squad that i've been to the i've been to the championship three times in a row now i've won once lost twice um so i've got a mixed bag of some aging players some younger players i have quite a lot of running backs and i wanted to get younger and speaking of um one of the guys that we've actually been talking about here on the bengals so i had a guy in the league pop up and put t higgins on the trade block and as we mentioned i'm quite high on t higgins i'm higher than a lot of people probably in consensus and um he put in put him on the trade block and then said looking for an rb1 so I have several RBs in that team and I have Dalvin Cook, like we just talked about. So I shot him over an offer and I said, I just basically offered him Dalvin Cook and his um, Dalvin Cook for T Higgins and his first round pick. Um, and he just accepted straight away. Didn't even ask anything. Didn't, you know, and I looked in, I didn't realize I knew he hadn't had a good season. I didn't realize where exactly his first was, but it turns out it's the 102. So I got T Higgins and the 102 for Dalvin Cook. Now, I don't hate Dalvin Cook. I'm a Vikings fan. Obviously, I don't hate him. Um, I do get nervous about running backs as they get older, um, especially into their second contracts. In Dynasty, I always tend to try and get out a year early rather than a year late. So I think Dalvin Cook, I've had him in a couple of places, and I think I've traded away all my shares of Dalvin Cook now. I'm not saying he won't have a good 2022. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but for me personally... I wanted to get a bit younger. I really like T Higgins and to get the 102. I know it's not a particularly deep or strong running back class, but I've already seen a couple of running backs that I've watched some tape on that I like, and I'm quite happy to either get a really good wide receiver with the 102 or take a shot on one of these running backs. If I, you know, as I've dug into the tape more, if I really love them and they they're there at the 102 and they have a great landing spot, but those are my thoughts on the trade. I was really happy with it. What do you think, Tara? Do you hate it? Do you love it? I love it. I love it. You were able to offload Cook, and that pick is going to get you a um, yeah one QB. That pick is going to get you a very nice running back to potentially replace him there. So yeah, I think that I like that trade for you. Thank you very much. And what is your trade that you got for us? Um, I am telling you about my Dalton Schultz trade because I'm not going <laughs> to tell you what I paid for CD Lamb this season. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. What, what, if, <laughs> I, I will what say, if I bribe you? I'm not going to say five. it. I will say that I had Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver one. So you can imagine what I might have paid to get CD Lamb. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it was in a 12-team league. And it was a team with uh, – I don't think that one had Brandon Ayuk. But, um, but yeah, that was actually one with Debo. But, yeah, that was a – yeah, that was a little – 
I, I, I paid a lot and I'm, I'm praying that it's going to pay off. But I will tell you about my Dalton Schultz pick or trade where it's boring. Uh, oddly enough, 10 team, one QB PPR league as well. Um, was able to get in. So no tight end premium. I felt pretty good about this. Was able to get um, a 2022 309 and then a 2023 second. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good about that. I didn't lose. A, he kind of, you know, he was a flex play for me with um Darren Waller and then Pat Fryermuth as well on my team. So there's only so many tight ends you can really roster in <laughs> non-tight end premium league. So ships exactly. them off a little bit of value and I, I I feel good about it. No, I like it because especially like you said, there's a couple of things that me to me that jump out with and again, I don't know if people, the average maybe dynasty player thinks about this enough. It really matters the size of your league as well as the settings of your league. Because there's trades that I would absolutely do in a 10-team league that I would never think to do in a 14-team league yeah. or a 16-team league. So in a 10-team team, 10-team league, you've got to think everyone's roster is basically stacked. Like most everybody's team is pretty good. So you really need the creme de la creme. You need the best of the best to be really rocking. Dolan Schultz had a great season absolutely he he did he defied my expectations i was more on the jarwin side coming into the season so maybe i should have had him on the misses list um <laughs> but dalton schultz is great but this is not a tight end premium you've already got waller you've already got firemuth who looks amazing you don't need three four five tight ends in a non-tight end premium 10 team league so you don't want to just cut him you don't want to just get rid of him but you've got a 309 which you can get something out of the third but you more importantly to me you got a 2023 second yeah. which in dynasty circles we already know the 2023 class is supposed to be absolutely stacked so i love that and those are two assets that are just going to continue to appreciate whereas dalton schultz depending on what happens in the playoffs depending on what happens in the offseason could depreciate so you're probably not going to get much more for him anyways again totally could be a different conversation if this was a 14 team start two tight end league i'd be like whoa 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 you know what have you yeah. thought what were you thinking here? <laughs> but considering the size of the league and the situation that your tight end room is in i think it's a great trade and again that's just something for people to think about when they're thinking about trades. People, I'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how many people, and probably happens to you all the time as well. People say, What should I do about this? And they throw you out two players, and it's like, Well, what's the scoring? And what size yep. team is like, is this a one QB? Is it a super flex? Is it tight end premium? Is it a 14 team? Is it a eight team? Like, I mean, all those things really matter because, you know, trades in a vacuum they're not realistic. You know, we're talking about real leagues with real managers and real situations. So I think that's a great trade. I love it. I'm going to move in here to the last segment because we've been going for too long and Tara is charging by the hour for a valuable time. <laughs> and I don't make that kind of money. So let's move on here. Word of the week. So Tara, I am going to give you a word of Northern Irish slang. I am in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and must see how quick on your feet you are gonna get you to come up with what you think the word means and try and use it in a sentence okay then i'm gonna tell you what it means because i mean like that you ready for this i am i watched uh i watched a lot of uh the tv show skins growing up so i've, I've heard some irish accents so i'm i'm ready oh okay here we go you've been cheating <laughs> is that what you're telling me yes um so the word is slagging so what do you think slagging means? And could you use it in a sentence? Slagging, I think, means I'm going to say it's like slacking off. Um, so I've been I've been slagging on updating my dynasty rankings. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. It was a nice try. It was a valiant effort. I will give it A for effort. Um, so slagging actually means like basically 
being sarcastic or cheeky. So if I'm making fun of your team and I just beat you in the finals and I win and I'm just like telling, oh, and going in the group chat, I'm slagging you off. I'm like, oh, your team sucks. I can't believe Kelsey only got you 12 points. And, oh, you know, why would you ever think Daniel Jones is going to be a good starter for you? That's me slagging you off. So yeah. that just means being sarcastic, being <laughs> cheeky, um, and talking trash to your league mates. So absolutely, you should be slagging people. Start giving them a good slagging. Seriously, in all seriousness, Tara, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Appreciate your time. Guys, as I mentioned at the top there, if you don't already, if you're on if you're on Twitter, which you should be, again, all jokes aside, being on Twitter is a really great way of picking up on hints and tips and information that's going on in the off season and even during the season. You can follow beat reporters, things like that. It's good things to give yourself an edge in Dynasty. If you're on Twitter, give Tara a follow. You will not regret it at it's Tara Time. There is there anything specifically you want to plug, Tara? Anything you want to shout out? Uh, no, not really. I mean, just, uh, you know, the best place right now, especially for off season content, I've still got some stuff going out with um, uh, multiple outlets, but we're really going to start kicking off our uh, obviously Dynasty Vipers um, show is, you know, really going to kick into gear here with Dynasty in the off season. So um, make sure that you check that out. And uh, we've got a YouTube show going. So check that out weekly show weekly content to catch up with us. Brilliant. Thanks again, Tara. And you're welcome back anytime. And guys, thanks very much for listening. Have a great week. Get some trades in. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know about it. And make sure and give your league mates a good slagging. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver. Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those RBs You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate